0: Welcome to post-game coverage of Nebraska men's basketball's win over South Carolina State. Huskers improved to 11-2 on the earth, a 91-62 to game that was not as close as the final score might tell you. I'm Moss Norman, flying solo here for the next half an hour or so. I'll take you right up till the top of the 9 o'clock hour here ninety-three 93.7 The Ticket, the TicketFM.com. Husker men's hoops post-game reaction, as always, brought to you by our friends, at Action Heating, Plumbing, Air, and Electrical. Really appreciate them for everything they do for us, including sponsoring this post-game show. It's supposed to be me and Bach. Bach's got some family stuff to take care of, so you're stuck with my thoughts, musings, rantings, ramblings, whatever it is you want to call it. It's just me here for the next half an hour, but it doesn't have to be. If you've got any thoughts on this Nebraska men's basketball team's win or the outlook on the rest of the season, you can let me know, 402 464 Five six eight five. That's the number to the Sarter Heyman text line. Or I see plenty of you jumping on the streams already. Those are presented by Sarter Heyman Jewelers. Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter streams all up and running for you. Leave a comment, give me your thoughts, give me your player of the game, and I will get to that at some point here throughout post game. Once again, ninety-one to sixty-two, Nebraska takes down South Carolina State. Leading scores on the night for Nebraska: only three players or four players in double figures. You have C.J. Wilcher leading the way on seven of nine shooting overall. He was two of four from three. You have Bryce Williams led the way in the first half for the Huskers. He had 16 points, and then two guys reach 10. You have Josiah Alec on a perfect night from the floor in the free throw line for him. And then Eli Rice scored most of his points there in the second half. Uh, He also finishes with 10. Uh, Three players in double figures for South Carolina State. It was Simpson, Teal, and Brown. One of the most dominating performances I've seen by a Nebraska team in a long time in that first half, 50 to 11 was the score after those first 20 minutes. South Carolina State really had no rhythm, and it's not like they, they didn't have opportunities, right? There were a few times early in that game that Nebraska turned the ball over in transition, had some sloppy ball handling, but I remember Bryce Williams had a block. Josiah Alex saved a couple points in transition. So Nebraska, for the most part, was able to cover for its mistakes. The main takeaway that I have from this game is Nebraska took care of business. Straight up, Nebraska took care of business. South Carolina State was 4-10 entering this game. Um, Not very good. All their games against high or higher major competition hadn't gone so well. They lost big to Pitt. They lost big to Mizzou. They played South Florida. And Tulsa out of the American also lost those games pretty handily. So Nebraska did what it had to do, right? We've seen Nebraska, uh, you know, let teams hang around in some games before they did not do that at all with South Carolina state. At one point, the lead for Nebraska got up to 49 points. It was 85 to 36 Nebraska, not long after that. U-eight timeout Uh, South Carolina state, you know, puts up 25 points there in those last seven minutes or so. But that was a lot of their starters against mostly Nebraska reserves. Robert Dozier uh, on Twitter. I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not. It was a big-time win. Yes, against a quality team, I am less inclined to think that. So Nebraska picks up another quad four win in the, the net rankings. That doesn't move the needle much. You avoid a bad loss, and you really take care of business. Nebraska wins this game by 29 points, almost as much as they beat Lindenwood by in Nebraska's first game of the year. Of course, these two teams, if you you follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Orman, you would know that South Carolina State and Lindenwood separated by just two positions in Ken Palm, South Carolina State, 333rd, Lipscomb, 335th, I believe it was, entering the night. 91-62, Huskers win. Let's just run through the team stats before we get to some individual ones. Nebraska, 29 of 61 from the floor, good for 48%. That ticked down in the second half. Nebraska was significantly over 50%. I believe they were 20 of 35 from the floor, which means they went 9 of 26 in the second half. But again, mostly subs. Nebraska also did a pretty good job getting the free throw line. We'll get to that here in just a sec. Um, But 29 out of 61 on the night, not a bad performance. 9 of 30 from three-point range. Uh, Nebraska went 5 of 15 in the first half, 4 of 15 in the second half. The Huskers did see that number climb a little bit with the starters in. Um, Eli Rice ends up knocking down uh, two threes, you have C.J. Wilcher, two of them. Kese Tomonaga, Jamarcus Lawrence, Bryce Williams hit a three. Um, and uh, Jeron Coleman, that's right, hit the other two for Nebraska. So it was Rice, two of six. Coleman, two of five. Wilcher, two of four. The other players uh, to hit a three, all hit one. The free throw numbers stood out to me. Um, again, I had to tweet with some, some bold predictions before the game. Uh, as I look up and down the score sheet, I see I only went two for four, but I wasn't far off. I was not far off on my other predictions. So the two that I got right, we'll get to. The two that I got wrong were Jope rebounds. I said he'd have five plus. He ends up with four. He had four with eight minutes to go and didn't get another one. I'll get to that here in a little bit. But the, the one I was more confident in was the free throws versus three-point attempts for both teams. I tweeted out that I thought both teams would attempt more three-pointers than free throws, and it was close. South Carolina State uh, attempted 23 three-pointers and um, 15 free throws, whereas Nebraska took 33 pointers and 32 free throws. That's plenty more uh, free throws than I thought Nebraska was going to take. South Carolina State uh, hit a a few fouls that I, I didn't expect them to. They got into some foul trouble. For the game, they end up fouling 21 times Quite a few of those were, you know, near half court uh, where Nebraska wasn't much of a threat to do anything, gambling for a steal a little bit, going through the body of some Husker players. So that's where I think some of those fouls added up. Nebraska was pretty aggressive in attacking the rim as well. So you credit South Carolina State for its athleticism and and how physical it was trying to play. uh, Ends up not being a winning strategy, though, again, as Nebraska wins it 91 to 62. I was going to say I was... A little little more concerned about how far off I would be on that prediction of three-point attempts versus free-throw attempts. Um, But I I was kind of glad to see those three-point numbers kind of balance out for Nebraska. Again, more free throws than I thought Nebraska would have shot. The reason that was a bold prediction is because coming into the game, South Carolina State shot more free throws per game than three-pointers per game. So I thought if they wanted to have a shot at winning this game or sticking in the game at the very least – they would need to, to cast up some threes and hit some, which was going to be a tall task for a team that came into the game shooting 27% from three. They hit 22%, 5 of 23 from long range. Sloppy game, right? Even though Nebraska puts up 91 points, they, the Huskers turned the ball over 20 times. South Carolina State turns it over 19 times. So many of Nebraska's turnovers, too, were sloppy, careless, kind of mental mistakes, right? We saw. One turnover, um, Cale Jacobson, who got the most minutes, I think, of his Husker career, um, in this one, he didn't slide down as Sam Hoyberg drove, right? Sam Hoyberg anticipated Cale Jacobson to slide with him as Sam Hoyberg drove, and Cale Jacobson stood still. So Sam Hoyberg threw it out of bounds, right? That's, that's kind of the exception. Nebraska, at different points in the game, struggled with South Carolina State's pressure. The Bulldogs did something a little different that I don't think Nebraska has seen in a while and won't see. Throughout Big Ten play, I don't think unless some teams see that this worked pretty well on on film and try to employ it. But what they did was they had their traditional press right off of a, a dead ball or off of a make. Uh, Nebraska handled that okay, but what Nebraska didn't handle nearly as well, and this isn't one player or two players. This is you know a handful of guys didn't handle the run and jump after rebounds right. So what South Carolina State did was instead of sprinting everyone back down after not securing a rebound they would send two guys to pressure and trap either the player who rebounded the ball if it was toward the corner or the wing or that first outlet pass even sometimes they sent a couple guys to go trap what you do against that is number one you keep your cool i think nebraska did a a decent job of you know the ball handlers themselves keeping their cool but two things, Nebraska, two and a half, three things that Nebraska did that would have helped out, and I saved probably five turnovers, five or six, just off the top of my head. Number one, do not dribble to a corner, especially near half court. Right, the the sideline or the half court line function as a third defender. In that case, you already play in two on one. Why play three on one? If you're fast enough and quick enough to beat the trap to the spot. You do it, and you keep going. There's a couple times Nebraska was able to turn the corner. Whether it was Jamarcus Lawrence, uh, Boogie Coleman, C.J. Wilcher, I think uh, one of the posts did it at one point too. I think it was Alec, dribbled it just past half court, stopped, but didn't keep their dribble, picked it up. What does that allow the defense to do? It allows the defense to set a solid, you know, foot to foot vertical trap that's hard to get out of, especially for small guards and for big men who aren't used to playing on the perimeter, let alone. Handling the ball that close to half court, it allows them to get in rotation on the defensive end, so they can take away the passes that are one player away. And what you do there is you leave the deep in the opposite pass open, so the opposite corner is the pass left open. With when the player for Nebraska would pick the ball up by dribbling into that corner, the the dead zone coffin corner. Um, we talk about coffin corner punts. It's the same concept here in basketball. It allows the defense to get set. It applies a third defender. The other thing Nebraska. You know, could have done to alleviate some of that pressure was get middle, whether that's with the ball handler, dribble at the the inside player of the trap, either get him to back off or you draw a foul if his feet aren't set. But what Nebraska didn't do a whole lot of was turn and look this for the ball year, give the gift of delicious food and Nebraska service. didn't really turn and look for for the ball at all. So in that case, it was left to the ball handler to to play one on one. Essentially, and or one on two, really. That's not what's supposed to happen at this at this juncture. So, whether that's a big man sitting in the middle of the floor as a pressure release, or what I would have liked to have seen too is another guard hang back. Right, if you're the defense and you want to isolate one player with a two on one, if you're the the offense, the team dribbling it up the court, you need to make it a numbers game in your advantage. I'm not saying come close and take a handoff. What I'm saying is spread the floor and play some three-on-two basketball. Get a guard opposite, get a post or a wing in the middle as a bigger target, preferably someone who can dribble the ball, whether that's a big guy who can jump like Josiah Alec, a ball-handling guard like Bryce Williams, or even a a Juwan Gary or C.J. Wilcher in the middle. Those are guys that can can catch the ball. They are confident enough dribbling it up. But what Nebraska did too often was turn its back. I get that Nebraska has put more and more of an emphasis on running in transition. They did a pretty good job rebounding today. We'll get to the rebounding numbers, but it's okay to get surprised by it the first time or two when you're settling into playing a team for the first time. You're settling into the rhythm and the routine of a game. But the fact that Nebraska got fooled by it even into the second half, I really didn't like to see that. You know, this is again, as a veteran team with a lot of guards and a lot of guys that you would normally trust to, you know, at least bring the ball up after a rebound. I I thought Nebraska left its guys on an island far too often kind of nitpicking but that could come into play right I think there are teams in the Big Ten Michigan comes to mind I'm surprised Michigan State didn't do more of it earlier and even last year right we saw that Nebraska team while it got hot in you know February and into March Nebraska struggled with pressure at points Nebraska struggled to, to put some teams away part of that was due to the free throw shooting but Nebraska had some really sketchy moments in games at the end of year not handling press well, not always running press break the way they were supposed to. So I think this was a good test in that front. It reminds me a little bit of, um, I think, the Stony Brook game. Stony Brook was a team that was athletic, that was kind of jamming up Nebraska's rhythm. It took them a while to get used to it. Nebraska obviously had many fewer issues on the offensive end today than they did early on in that Stony Brook game. Um, so credit South Carolina State for disrupting Nebraska's flow here and there. Um, But I think that's something for Nebraska to look in. Uh, Jeff, appreciate you watching here on Facebook and chiming in. The guys I'm talking about aren't just the bench. The bench wasn't the only unit struggling with this. I think Boogie Coleman, again, on the bench, had a couple turnovers. But the very first defensive possession of the game, the first chance Nebraska has to run in transition, Jamarcus Lawrence, who this team wants to be its point guard, who's been getting point guard reps and who handles the ball a significant portion of the time did exactly what he wasn't supposed to do. He put his head down. He dribbled up the sideline, just past half court into a trap into a two on one for the defense. And he got called for an offensive foul. He pushed off with his off arm, trying to create a little bit of space to split it. And that was the first possession of the game. We saw CJ Wilcher, who yes, is a bench guy but a valuable piece, a rotation guy for this team, Uh, catch the ball on a rebound and turn and fire it. Not really look where he was throwing it. He just wanted it out of his hands into anyone else, which is CJ Wilcher, the best ball handler on this team. Absolutely not. But CJ Wilcher has improved his handle in his few years here at Nebraska. And he's enough of a guard that, and he's just a college basketball player, right? If he can't, Dribble the ball up or make a, a more composed pass under pressure. There's not a whole, easy, whole lot of reason for him to be out there. Now, CJ Wilcher had a great game. Again, that's just a little little blip on the radar, I think. But I think Bryce Williams had a possession where it wasn't great. Sam Hoyberg did a pretty good job of you know being small and quick and, and getting around the trap, splitting it once or twice, um, but had a couple wild passes as well. Um, so I think Nebraska just as a whole needs to be better because again this was a team that going into i want to say it was the minnesota game averaged fewer than 10 turnovers per game and the huskers basically doubled that in minnesota i think they had 18 or 19 turnovers in that game so yes the strength of schedule for nebraska in the first you know seven games of the year wasn't the best but nebraska had done a better job at preventing turnovers early in the year it's gotten a little sloppy and a little careless at times here um, as we continue the season. So this is a veteran group that I think, for the most part, does a solid job of staying composed and handling the ball pretty well. But even in a game like this, where you win it by almost 30 points, you're up by 39 at halftime, 50 to 11. It's the little things, right? We talk about the big picture for this team, what it wants to accomplish. You would like to think that you don't have to tell a veteran team to lock it in that they come ready to go, but the best teams don't lose focus. No matter the score, the best teams don't have those silly little mistakes that lead to cheap points. Are they a big deal in this game? No, they're not. Does it sound like, like nitpicking in the, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes after this game got over? Absolutely. It does. But Nebraska has grander ambitions this year than beating South Carolina State by 29 points. If these careless, sloppy turnovers continue, there will be another game that comes back to bite Nebraska, just like it did against Minnesota. I look at Indiana, the next opponent for these Huskers. Nebraska turns it over like this. Nebraska turns it over 15 times. That might be enough for Indiana to beat them. Indiana isn't great, but like Strick said, they will get after you defensively. It's a Mike Woodson team. You know how Mike Woodson played in the NBA. You know how he coached in the NBA. Indiana plays that way. They will be tough. They will be hard-nosed. And if you give them too many possessions, that not only gives them more shots, it gives you fewer shots. So I think Nebraska needs to focus on those careless turnovers, right? Keeping its head about it at all times. Because the rest of the game was really solid. You have a great performance from Bryce Williams, five of ten from the floor, five of ten on free throws. Had, uh, darn near a double double at half with like, I think, twelve points and six rebounds. You look at Jamarcus Lawrence, hit a three pointer, did a good job getting downhill, three rebounds and assists for him. Um, you look at Josiah Alec, ten points, seven rebounds, four assists. That's Rink-Mass level, really, is what he did right differently than Rink-Mass did it. But Josiah Alec had his best game in a long time as you know the the lone big man in that starting lineup. Look at C.J. Wilcher off the bench, right? Took advantage of some defensive breakdowns from South Carolina State, hit a couple nice layups, hit his couple threes, also adds two rebounds to his 18 points. Sam Hoiberg, five points, seven rebounds, three assists. Typical spark plug Sammy stuff, right? That, that'll get the job done. Boogie Coleman found his way off the bench, right? Which is something I kind of saw coming against an opponent like this. Took pretty good advantage. Two of five from three, six assists. That's more than enough to get the job done. Eli Rice got his shots up. It looked pretty good. You saw Matar Jope. That's a guy that I think could have had more of an impact. There were a few times that, again, I predicted him to get five-plus rebounds, so I wasn't just you know rooting for my pred- prediction. But Matar Jope was a little out of position, or especially on the offensive end, wasn't crashing the glass, right? He was standing around, and he's probably Nebraska's best pure rim protector. Um, so I get him wanting to to get back on defense, but that's a guy that had a height advantage over pretty much all of uh, South Carolina state's roster and didn't take full advantage of it, which again, it's a young guy who's still you know learning how to play basketball, let alone learning how to play basketball at the college level. But it's those little things, that effort, that intensity, what Matarjo has to do to get on the floor is rebound. Any rim protection he gives you is a big boost to this team. He's not going to score points, but he's got a rebound. And to see him just kind of standing around at the three-point line, I, I didn't love that from him. Nebraska does still win the rebounding battle 50-40. 40 defensive rebounds, 10 offensive for the Huskers, eight second chance points. Um, so again, pretty, pretty well-balanced performance for Nebraska. Jope the only player not to score in this game. I did mention the free throw numbers for Nebraska. I was getting a little concerned there for a while. Nebraska was in the low sixties or the mid sixties for a team that shoots above 70% on free throws for the year. They do finish the night at 24 of 32 from the free throw line. Um, Eli Rice uh, split two pairs before hitting his last two free throws. You see Grace and Jacobson both hit a couple of free throws. Joe went Oh, of three. So he had three of the eight misses on his own wide shooting base. I'd be curious to know the, the rationale behind that um couple things to get to here let's go to the text line again 402-464-5685 if you have any uh, final thoughts here on the nebraska men's basketball win over south carolina state um 50 34 says not a ton to take away from a game like that don't love the 50 point second half defensively or the 20 turnovers but can live with it on a night like tonight gary and hoiberg are still dogs. Yeah, not the first time Nebraska has given up 50 points in a second half. Minnesota comes to mind as a half. Nebraska has given up 50-plus points. Again, not how you draw it up. You would have liked to have seen more, but a lot of that was um, South Carolina State's starters. And here's the thing. A couple guys got hot late, right? Nebraska's bench doesn't have the same level of defensive capability as the starters do. You knew South Carolina State wasn't going to score another 11 points in a half maybe 51 was a little bit too much um, even for Nebraska's bench to give up. So, yeah, I would say if that could have ticked down to, you know, closer to 40, played even with Nebraska in the second half because Nebraska scored 41 points in the second half. If it's a 41-41 second half and it's 91-52, yeah, we're probably having some some different conversations here. Um then a comment that I've seen from a couple people here 50-34 is one, and then on the YouTube stream, Jeff is saying, uh, Boogie showed why he doesn't play, and 50-34 says, disappointed in Boogie's minutes, had a chance to showcase why he should get more minutes, but made a lot of bad, sloppy decisions with the ball. Would love to see Rice and Hoiberg take his minutes. Well, Rice and Hoiberg were off the bench before him. Jeron Coleman was, I believe, the 10th man uh, to play. So you have the starters, Williams, Gary, Lawrence, Tomonaga, Alec. You have Wilcher, Hoiberg, and then I think Rice and Jope came in before Boogie Coleman did. Don't quote me on that, but Boogie Coleman on the night plays 19 minutes. Hoiberg plays 17. Wilcher plays 19. You saw the good in the bad from Boogie Coleman. You saw eight points, again, two of five shooting from long range. That's probably a little bit above what he would normally shoot. But that's fine. They were not outlier shots at all. So two of five is fine. One of two then from two point range and the one make was a really nice play that I don't know if many other guys on Nebraska's team could make. I could see Eli Rice trying it. I could see Bryce Williams pulling it off. But what Boogie Coleman did was he was pushing in transition, slowed himself down, did a little half behind the back fake before going up with a right handed layup in transition. Um, I don't know how many other guys on Nebraska are making that play, but yeah, there were some careless, sloppy turnovers from a guy who Nebraska would rely on to run the point. You know, you can't have those sloppy turnovers. If we, we, uh, hold it against Jamarcus Marcus Lawrence, we have to hold it against boogie Coleman, but Coleman also had six assists, right? It's the good and the bad for a point guard. You, you obviously need more than a one-to-one ratio of assists to turnovers, But there are a couple instances, too, where I think there's some miscommunication. Boogie Coleman, just the nature of his game is he's going to try to be an X factor. He's going to try to do a lot, sometimes the most, sometimes more than he should. Pardon me as I take a drink. Um, He plays with a little bit of flair, a little panache that I don't know if Nebraska's other ball handlers have for, for better or for worse. Boogie Coleman is a fine player, but his defensive intensity isn't always there. And there are some of those boneheaded turnovers that I think sometimes Nebraska needs the the juice, the energy, the pop, the creativity that he brings on offense. But as you get into Big Ten play and you have to tighten up and you can't afford to give possessions away, that's a decision for Fred Hoiberg, Nate Lenzer, um, Ernie Ziegler, Adam Howard to make is how much creativity can we risk? Is really the question because there is an element that Boogie Coleman brings to the table with his passing and his vision that other guys just don't have. He puts some flair on it as well, but six assists versus six turnovers, again, not exactly uh, the ratio it is that you're going for. So I still think there's a role for Boogie Coleman, but I do think it's going to be kind of spot minutes. You know, if Nebraska is in desperate need of something, maybe he's the guy that comes in and tries to spark it. But yeah, I don't think Boogie Coleman plays 19 minutes in, in a game again. Once again, it's Nebraska, 91, and South Carolina State, 62, the final score from Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln. That'll do it for the scheduled portion of non-conference play. Nebraska sits at 11-2 and two right now. Uh, one of their best records in non-conference play in school history, but far and away, far and away, their best record in non-conference play under Fred Hoiberg. Big things, you know, in sight. As John Rothstein of CBS Sports said, Nebraska is in position to be in position. Is Nebraska an NCAA tournament team right now? Some places saying yes. Some places saying they're right on the bubble. Some places saying no. But here's the thing, 93.7 the ticket listeners: Nebraska will have every opportunity to seize its goals. Everything that Nebraska wants to accomplish this year is still in front of it. Dropping the game at Minnesota was not a good one. Beating Michigan State, that win will age well. You've got 18 more conference games to see what this team can become. It starts with Indiana on January 3rd. That'll be a tough game. If you're in Nebraska, you hope Rinkmast is back. If I had to guess, he's not back for Indiana, which I think could be a bit of a problem. Kellell Ware is a really great player for them, former five-star recruit that transferred back to Indiana from, from Oregon. So it'll be a challenge in Big Ten play. It always has been. It always will be. But between Indiana and Wisconsin to to start off Big Ten play, well, resume Big Ten play through early February, this to me is the, the make or break stretch for this team when it comes to what postseason will Nebraska be playing in. That'll do it for me here from ninety three seven The Ticket uh, Studios here tonight. We'll uh, throw it to break, get you back to national programming. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with you tomorrow and Sunday uh, for some ticket weekends. At least we have the Liba show. If you don't hear from us, from me, from all of us at 93.7, the ticket, have a safe, a happy New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. We'll recap all the college football, all the college basketball, pro football action as well when we get back to you on Tuesday. For Bach, I'm Austin. Big thanks to Action uh, Heating, Electrical, Air, and plumbing for sponsoring this uh, edition of Nebraska men's basketball post game. We'll talk to you soon.